Hey everybody out there, it's time for Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on all the details of the characters, places, things, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. I'm Mike, and I'm going to be one of your hosts, and I'm joined by my fellow Jedi caretaker, Ross. Mac, it's great to be back. We have been waiting a long time to discuss Episode 8, Luke Skywalker. The fans have been waiting a long time to discuss Episode 8, Luke Skywalker. The winner... The of wheel- our final fans' choice poll, four weeks later, here the it is. The wheels of democracy move slowly. <laughs> they do. A democracy can die quick, but boy, does it take a while to go into effect. To get going. It's a lot of momentum to move something that big. Uh, we're excited because this is the one that you folks uh, wanted to hear the most, and obviously this is the coda of Luke's story as we go into The Last mm-hmm. Jedi, and, mm-hmm. and I guess broadly, we'll, let's be honest, it's going to be spoiled for the whole prequels and probably anything else that's going on Luke, because this is sort of our last word on the yeah. character of Luke, so uh, I'm we may sure, have things to say. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think I would just say be caught up before you dive in. <laughs> um, and but if you're really into Star Wars, you probably already are. And I think I think we're going to talk a lot. <laughs> I think we're excited. We have some things to say. It'll be fun. All right, and we're going to get started talking about Luke Skywalker and the events of the Last Jedi right after this. Let's enter the most intriguing part of Luke's story, I think. The one that uh, has many blanks to fill in. But let's talk about what we see. Okay, for, okay first off, we said this is the last Jedi episode. We're going to talk about Luke as he's seen in The Last Jedi. But let's let's add on the 15 seconds <laughs> from, from Force Awakens. I think we really do have to talk about the build-up here because this is so much more than waiting three years for a moment, right, from the end of Force Awakens. And, you know, people had waited so long for, you know, for a new Star Wars movie. And at this point, um, now you've waited three more years to see Luke. And so everybody has this anticipation of where his story is going to go. You know, you've seen the trailers. Mm -hmm. You know that basically he's at a in a spot where he believes the Jedi should end. And, you know, coming into this movie, where was the last time we saw Luke? Well, we saw him celebrating on Endor with his friends, you know, coming to peace with his father and his past with Yoda and Obi-Wan and basically accepting the life of a Jedi, basically completing his Jedi trials. And now here at the end of episode six, Luke Skywalker is a Jedi. Now, in the 30 years interim, now, this is interesting because we can look at this in one of two ways, Mac. Mm-hmm. At most, going in, we knew very little about those 30 years for Luke Skywalker, right? We knew that a, well, about a year after this, he, he has that brief appearance in the Battlefront 2 game. 
that's a canonical story for him, right? Correct. And we see him being a Jedi. We see him teaching a lesson, you know, helping someone out morally as well as physically, you know. Um, and then, of course, now, retroactively. We know six years after the Battle of Endor, we know where he might be. Yes, we <laughs> see him briefly still, once again, being a Jedi, impacting the world around him. And then we also have that Legends of Luke Skywalker book. That does take place in this time period, but it is more of an anthology from the yeah, perspective it's... of the people he impacted, right? So well, we'll and, talk and more honest, about that's... the people he impacts as we go. But That's kind of what we've been seeing. Like, that Battlefront 2 is a little more balanced, a little more characters being brought up. But for the most part, Luke has been this just fantastic figure on the galactic stage, showing up at certain times to just be... A legend, just be this awe-inspiring figure. Absolutely. I mean, that's what this whole one, right? That's what we assume that character is doing. Because, you know, we last left Luke. He is. He's a hero. He's a Jedi Knight. He's the guy who blew up the first Death Star. He's the guy who faced down Vader. He's the guy who killed the Emperor. Yep. Absolutely. Um, He has all of these things already. You know, he's the hero of the Rebellion, right? Yeah. And now he's this Jedi Knight. Now he's out there not only spreading the word of himself among the Rebellion, but among the greater galaxy. And then we know that sometime over that timeline, at some point in that 30 years, Luke goes from a legend to essentially running away from his Jedi Order and from the rest of the galaxy. From a legendary figure to just a legend. Um, Yeah. Because let, let's also frame this in a little bit more 2015 mindset. So Mark Hamill is all over the pre-production stuff. He's the one who reads the script to the giant cast script reading that they had. He's he's part of the promotional materials. We're expecting Luke to be showing up. And well, he's then not tra- really. I mean, he was really all... part of the promotional materials. He's not in any trailer. He's not on any poster. No, I was going to say. And then the first trailer dropped, and he's not in it. And then the next trailer right. dropped, yeah. and he's not in it. Say, yeah, I was going to say, I fully expected Luke to be a main character in that movie up until we started getting the actual promotions for the movie as it was done. I'm yeah. saying, in pre-release, we assumed he was one of the pillar characters. Well, and, yeah, no one really knew what to expect right. other than we were going to have new characters that we hadn't met before, yes. along with characters we already knew. That was about it. And that we knew that the story would take place a number of decades after Return of the Jedi. Right. That was really all we knew. So we watched The Force Awakens. We have some reaction to it, of course, for Mac and I, generally very positive. Yeah. We had a really great time at that theater at that showing. And leaving a Star Wars movie on a cliffhanger like that is right. very non-traditional. Right. And so walking back into the next film three years later, well, two, sorry, two years later. Let's, wait, okay, let's yeah. just sum it up. One of the main plot threads of Force Awakens involves Luke, but he's really about not in the movie much, is he is missing. He walked away from everything. He disappeared from the galactic stage. Even people like Han and Leia don't know where he went. He went to seek out an ancient Jedi temple, and that's the last anyone's heard of him. But there are a few people that have these these map pieces because Luke did leave behind where he went in case of, well, the kind of things that are happening in the galaxy, in which case they would need to find him. Um, and it all culminates in Rey collecting those pieces during the events of Force Awakens, uh, getting them from R2, and basically following the trail to this, you know, rocky green planet in the sea. Mm -hmm. And when she gets to the top, we see this beauty shot of here's old man Luke in his white robes with his metal hand. And he flips back his, 
his hood and he turns around and he looks very, very pensive. And, and, you know, Ray earnestly holds out his lightsaber of like, I've brought this to you, you, cause you can help save the galaxy End credits. Yeah. And despite cliffhangers of that level of oomph in star Wars, outside of maybe the TV shows, it's also very weird that we start exactly in that moment. We basically see that moment again uh, at the very top of this movie. Yes, 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 yes. So here we are. We are. We know that basically Luke became a Jedi. Yes. At some point, took on training, took on a temple, took on Padawans. One of his Padawans turned against him, turned to the dark side, destroyed the temple. Luke went into exile. That's yep. what we know here. Now Ray has found him, right? Yes. We can agree that that's his established character up to this point, right? Well, yeah, that the, he is. Um, once his nephew killed all of his other apprentices, yeah. uh, he might have been a little disillusioned and kind of wanted to just walk away, right? So that's <laughs> what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So, Mac, when this starts here. Yeah, because obviously we're coming off right when the movie opens. We don't actually start here. We're starting at right, right the battle above the D- D- Darfur, Dar- Dakar, 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 Dakar. Dakar. Yes, we're start- starting at that battle, and then uh, that's right. And then from oh, it's there, okay because again, yeah, also pulled that off immediately. Head, like yeah. it has been five minutes since Force Awakens ended. Oh yeah, we're starting off right off. They're letting us know that basically the only thing that's changed is that now that the Republic is destroyed, the First Order is beginning to take military control of the galaxy. And we see them here trying to wipe out the Resistance, but over on Octu, Rey is meeting Luke Skywalker for the first time. She hands him the lightsaber. You know, we see his robotic hand reach out and take it. We can, if you're listening, you know, you have the sound turned up, you can hear the motors move in his hand as he takes it. Mm -hmm. It's so great. And as he looks at it, you know, he looks at her. He's holding Delicately the saber. Holds it. <laughs> yeah. And then he just kind of gives her a sour look and throws it over his left shoulder and walks away from her, slamming the door in her face, you know, to his hut. Which I absolutely love because I love when he throws it over his shoulder in the sense that, like, wow, this is a telegraph of the whole movie. N- nothing in this movie is going to go the way you thought it was going to go. It's we're, we're blazing a brand new trail. <laughs> Well, remember, when we were sitting there watching it in the theater, that oh. was our both re- both of our reactions was shock. And of course, you know, how could it possibly be any different than anyone expected? She'll show up, she'll hand him the lightsaber, and he'll be eager to help her, right? Say, he'll turn it on and then he'll go face down the whole First Order by himself of with course. his new apprentice, Ray. Yeah, uh, of course, we're, of we're, course. The Degabah scenes start here, <laughs> right? right. So for us, and for obviously a lot of people, this was a huge out of left field swing that we were not expecting, right? And so here, right off the bat, we're learning more about what Luke is about. And here, obviously, Luke is denying the call to adventure. He does not want to help her. You know, we are back to kind of episode four Luke in a lot of ways. And basically, you know, she tries to get him let in. You know, she Ray tries to get into Luke's hut. Won't let her in, so she brings Chewie in to knock down the door. Which Chewie's very good at that. He is. He's very successful. Yells at Luke for being so stubborn. And, you know, basically says, uh, Chewie, what are you doing here? That's Luke's first reaction. And we see a little bit of old Luke come out here. You know, he's he's excited to see Chewie, but he's genuinely surprised now. You know, he's shocked. Right, and it ends in the set. Very, very deep note. 
well, if you're here, where's Han? Yeah. Yeah. And then it does cut away. You know, we don't get to necessarily see the reaction, but we do hear the the waver in, in Luke's voice here. You know, the, the fact that basically they're just telling us that these emotional ties to Chewie and Han and Leia, they're still there. He's not yeah. forgotten, you know, his past. He's not completely written off his past from 30 years ago. He's not, you know, well, he's still memory. He, he hasn't had his memory erased to these people or anything say, like in, that. In his heart, he's still that man. But the big thing that's changed is he came here to cut himself off. And right. he cut himself in all ways. So, no, he, he he's just he's yeah, just well, a let's more... Let's not jump ahead. You're, you're jumping ahead a good bit there on that. Let's just... No. Okay. In this exact yeah. moment, we, we know one thing that Luke already... Yeah. We already know Luke's cut off from the Force here because he didn't sense the death of Han. That familiar connection, mm. he doesn't feel that through the Force. He's just as surprised as a normal man yeah. who's just been on a planet somewhere. Like, yeah. he already doesn't have that mystic connection we yeah. would expect, right? Obi-Wan could feel Alderaan from hyperspace. Like, you know, um, we've seen characters have these... these When you have a connection, you can feel it across great distances. Luke and, and Vader, like... So the fact that, I don't know, maybe I remember in theaters going like, why doesn't he already know that? And then it was like, oh, and then we, we get the explanation of why. But I'm just saying, for me, that was the first tip of the tip of the hand was he should have known that. Hmm. Considering even like, even Finn and Ray, who, yes, are much closer. They're not just reacting to that of like, I just saw him die. Because like, why? Do you have binoculars? You can't see down there. It it's the force. Leia feels it back on Dakar. Like, so Luke should have felt it, but he didn't. Cause Luke's a different person than we remember. Mm, very interesting. Very interesting. See, in that moment, I don't think that thought would have crossed my mind at all. You were too busy going like, my figure has a compass. Where's this compass? <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, and that's the scene where you do sort of see it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. So this is where Luke is learning about what has happened to Ben. This right. is his first time learning about what has been become since he last saw him. Basically, after Ben, you know, presumably destroyed the temple, even though we'll learn later that's not the case, and, you know, left well, and ran away, uh, basically, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Luke doesn't have any interaction with him again. They don't see each other. You know, Luke doesn't go after him. So basically, that is the last Luke learns of his nephew. So now Ray is filling in the pieces of basically, yes, he is now calling himself Kylo Ren. He is in league with the First Order, and they are basically taking over the galaxy. They've destroyed the Republic. We need Luke Skywalker back. And, of course, Luke's response to all of this is, you don't need Luke Skywalker, right? You And, Mac, I know one of your absolute favorite absolute lines, favorite right? Lines. You think I'll walk out with a laser sword and take on the whole First Order? And, uh, I, I mean... Line. Obviously, there's lots of reasons why this line is great here, but this is showing classic Luke. This is showing, you know, sniffy Luke. This is showing Luke who still has his sense of humor. Yeah. He he delivers the line of, I'm not just going to take my laser sword and face them down. He says it with the same kind of energy as, come on, Womp Rants are bigger than, than two meters. Like, there's this flippant kind of, like, uh, just... Uh, cavalier nature to him which i love because again that impish quality to him is not only part of luke skywalker but a deep part of mark hamill <laughs> yeah i mean 
one of the best things about this portrayal of Luke here in this movie is that we're going to get to see every type of Luke. We're going to get right. to see a little bit of every Luke from every past movie. And so we'll talk about that as we go. Now, the next thing we see for Luke, you know, after he basically once again denies the call from Ray is that he's out on his day. You know, we see him fishing. We see him getting milk from the Talia Siren. Uh, we see Ray obviously following him around and Luke pays no interest to her, not interested in her at all, right? At best, it's spite, especially once he takes that first swig of milk. <laughs> he doesn't offer any. Not no. a very good guess. Not it's very right here if you want it. <laughs> He's showing her how to do it. Yeah, and I mean, obviously seeing this, this is more for, okay, Luke has adopted a simple life. Luke is yeah. living essentially the equivalent of the farmer's life that he originally started out with. This is Luke back to his origins. Yes. And also, of course, a mix of this is Yoda, right? This is Yoda on Dagobah. Yeah. Acting weird, acting goofy. And it also sells the idea of, you know, everyone's coming to this movie. What's Luke been doing the last 30 years? Like this, pretty much every day. Like this. This is all he does. <laughs> at least for a couple. And that is the other thing about this is we don't at this point, you know, now in the grand scheme of things, we know it's been about six years since Kylo turned to the dark side. But we don't at this point really know how long yeah, Luke has been here. We know it's like less than 20. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because Ky- right? yeah. it's less than Kylo is old. <laughs> that, that's right. All right. So after this, it's not until Ray is once again going through multiple days following Luke throughout his routine that she basically starts to hear and feel something through the force. Mm-hmm. And she's drawn over towards this very, uh, especially when you first see it, this ominous, spooky, foreboding tr- tree. Yeah. Um, you know, she's even hearing this like, chanting sound as she approaches it and when she notices the tree luke notices her and follows her of course into the tree and this is where luke really starts to come out of his shell a little bit and you know interact with the plot a little bit more so his first line you know to ray here is who are you realizing she's sensing something realizing she's drawn to this tree And and of course we still don't have confirmed that luke is not sensing the force right now and i like that this pulls from a a different tradition this pulls from kind of like um eastern martial arts films the idea of the student has to like patiently wait for the master's attention Mm -hmm. you know we've seen definitely stories where like you know there'll be a student sitting on the porch of his master's hut and just have to like let the rain fall him and just basically be this stoic thing before the master even acknowledged. Like the master wants nothing to do with you until you've just sort of shown the endurance and the stubbornness that you're not going to go away. And that's what Ray has done. Ray's been here for, like you said, some probably number of days at this point, just kind of waiting for Luke to show up or for something to change. And now we finally have that change. She finds her way to this little alcove of, of mystic energy. And this little alcove in the tree is built to keep the original Jedi test from a thousand generations ago. Jedi texts. <laughs> you got to keep them safe. Got to keep them from uh, deteriorating in one of those fancy libraries. Put them here in this moist tree. Protected by the Force, which yeah, can do fine. climate control. It'll be fine. They don't talk about that. new wouldn't approve. One, one but... of the Force powers we haven't got to in our Force Power series is Force air conditioning. That's true. You know, Jocasta wouldn't have approved, but this library is standing well after her library fell. So. Well, anyway, mm. those aren't really important texts, because unless they came from the temple and they're in the library, then they simply don't exist. <laughs> That's true. They're not even real. Uh, they might as well be camo. So 
Luke starts really pushing right here. You know, what's special about you? And Ray's response is basically, you know, and I actually really like this here. Something inside of me has always been there, but now it's awake. And mm -hmm. basically she's afraid of it. She's afraid of this power that she has because the only other person she's ever seen unit is Kylo. And obviously he's using it for evil, right? Mm -hmm. So she needs basically something that she can't get from anyone but Luke. And of course, Luke confirms this of you need a teacher. I can't teach you. Mm -hmm. So right away, pulling the rung out from under her here. And it's weird because he's vacillating between this kind of stubborn old man that he's been being. And there's a little bit of like the episode six, Luke, the the wise, you know, the one who is like coaxing his father into like, I still sense there's good in you. Like the, the kind of wise person, because again, it vacillates back and forth. Like, who are you? When he asked that, it's very like, like, I'm generally interested and I know there's, I already know there's a destiny about you. Mm -hmm. And she's like, like Ray, just Ray. He's like, oh, where are you from? I'm from nowhere. No one's from nowhere. Jakku. Actually, episode four, Luke comes out like, actually, that is that is nowhere. That's yeah. basically nowhere. Oh, and, yeah. But then he's right back on to, to the, you know, trying to like suss out of like, yeah. what is different about you? You are well, special. I think, you know, we, we've talked about obviously three versions of Luke to this point. And mm -hmm. there's one thing that has always held true about Luke. And that is basically when he has a moment to have some levity. When he is not in a serious situation, Luke is able to be a normal guy, right? He yeah. is more the 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 Gwygon Jedi Master of not being super uptight and strict and always being the proper Jedi. But obviously, he is still very beholden to uh, you know the traditions of the Jedi and basically the want to be a practicing, purposeful, powerful Jedi. Yeah. He, but he is, he has that lightness. He's got a to grounding. Him. Yeah. That keeps he him. still feels like a real. He still feels like a real person, not a dedicated to life monk. You know, right. someone like Mace Windu felt like someone who didn't have a life. Luke I, feels like someone with a personality. Yeah. He's not this warrior priest. Yeah. The way the rest of them are. And, and and you're right, and that shows up even in episode six, Luke. Like, there's the whole we talked about it, uh, the whole passage on Endor where he's back to being goofy, like yelling after Leia and all this kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. Even though we spent this whole movie like, I'm in black and I'm a very serious man. <laughs> yeah, when Han and three PO were fighting in front of the Ewoks, he's cracking up in the background. Oh like, yeah, like Luke still has that lighthearted personality, and so it's nice to see, and we'll see it more in this film as we go, that he still has a lot of that here. That Luke that we know and love is still inside of there, and they're showing us that early. Now, this is where Luke really comes down with the heavy, you know, I will never train another generation of Jedi. I came to this island to die. It's time for the Jedi to end. Mm -hmm. Very matter of fact, only Sith speak in absolutes. Right. From what I understand, or I've heard. I, I mean, that's been stated. Obi-Wan's maybe not the most reliable narrator, but that's true. Okay. So obviously, at this point, right, Mac, we are full on shock. What is going on, right? Ray has shown up on this island, tried to hand over the saber to Luke. He throws <laughs> it away. A porg almost impales itself. Oh, my God. That's the most stressful scene in the whole movie. Oh, tell me about it. I'm going to get that tattooed on me one day. I swear <laughs> to God. It's the porg's axe almost. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> um, I am. But, I mean, what this sold is, like, my biggest impression of 
uh, Last Jedi when it came out, I was like, wow, this didn't go the way you thought it would. It went in so many different interesting ways that were not, this was not the mm-hmm. movie I could have yeah. predicted. And I mean, one of those was this, is just the idea of like, uh, I thought we had a Dagobah scene. We're not going to have a Dagobah scene. I, I expected Ray to be doing a headstand and lifting rocks. What are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? Well, it's definitely not about lifting rocks. Wink, wink. That's for sure. <laughs> we'll talk about that more in a minute. All right. So now we have, an, well, obviously, you know, at this point, we're, the idea is supposed to be we're defeated by Luke, right? We are, we have met this we character. We see a person broken by trauma. Yes, absolutely. Now, the next Luke scene we get is another great one. Luke sneaking onto the Falcon. So Chewie has just roasted up a couple of Porgs, really given some some mental health issues to some other surviving Porgs, and uh, maybe and has become a vegan. And me. I don't want to talk about it. But in the background, we see Luke sneak onto the Falcon. And this is, I mean, you know, sitting in the theater watching this, this was obviously an incredibly emotional moment. You know, he's Magical. got the hood up. You see him from behind coming through into the cockpit. You know, he looks around, the lights turn on, he reach up, he grabs the, the dice. dice, you know, he sits down at the table and for a moment there, you know, he's mourning the loss of Han. You can kind of really feel that and see that, that he's experiencing that loss. And even though he's not feeling it through the force, which we still don't really know, you know, he's experiencing it emotionally, we can tell. And then this is when R2 wakes up and we get another amazing scene and we see that Luke still, in fact, does love droids. And is totally a droid fan and (laughs) has no issues being nice to droids. Now, of course, we know that's going to happen, right? But, you know, we get this amazing moment with R2. He's genuinely happy to see him. And, you know, Luke, after a minute of, uh, you know, just saying, oh, it's great to see you, buddy. Uh, You know, he has that line of watch your language. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, old friend, I wish I could make you understand. Nothing you can say can make me change my mind. And then immediately R2 uses the Obi-Wan projection of Leia. And not only was this already an incredible moment seeing Luke on the Falcon, but this just in the moment made me completely lose it emotionally. Um, It's a great moment for Luke, the look on Mark's face as he's acting here. And for the character... What I love about this is we're having all of these little calls to action. And every time Luke is basically being pulled back into the fray, pulled back into the force, he's denying the call. He's saying no. But every time it's chipping away at that facade. And so obviously as he goes throughout this story, we're going to see him slowly reconnect with the force. And this is that next thing pulling him back. So we have Ray showing up at the island with the lightsaber as the first thing, right? We have Chewie breaking down his door. Um, obviously, we have, you know, losing Han. We have here on the Falcon. We have R2 and this projection of Leia. All of these things that are slowly working Luke down and convincing him to help Ray and come back because they're reminding him of why he exists and why he's a Jedi and what he cares about. And that's his right. friends. Now, Mac, you made a point to call out in return of the Jedi that one of the things that makes Luke stand out yeah. are his friendships. And, you know, yes, whenever they're together, not only are they acting like themselves, but they're generally, you know, the most successful when, when they're together. Yeah. And so what we have here is we have a Luke who is starting to remember that and who's starting to remember what might exist for him outside of this island, outside of, well, it, you know, exile. It reminds him of what he left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact that Han's gone, 
you know, and you know, I, I think, like I said, in the in the interim where we don't watch, like there's that whole probably gravity of like the gravity you have when you lose someone, and the fact of you can never say anything to them again, you can never get their opinion on anything ever again. Their their story is over, and there's nothing more you can. Anything you didn't do, you didn't do forever, right? Mm -hmm. And there's all that weight. And then the way he gets reintroduced to his sister is being reminded of the very first time he saw her when he was just a wet behind the ears farm boy. And the last time he was denying the call, you know, the first time he saw this is like, well, it's so far away, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Uh, it's reminding him of that trepidation. And I think also, I think the other thing is not only is this representing, you know, general Organa and the fact that the resistance needs help and he needs to go reconvene with his sister. I think it's also a, a young girl is asking for your help. Go do it. In this case, it's also Ray. Ray needs your help. Stop being a dick and go help her. (laughs) Do what you're meant to do, kid. Mm -hmm. Literally. All right. So at this point, Luke has been chipped away enough, you know, at his cynicism towards the Force that he will train Ray. So he wakes her up in the middle of the night and he says he will teach her three lessons of the Jedi and why they need to end. And then Ray counts with her fingers. One, two, three. Got it. <laughs> now, before they start their training the next morning, Ray wakes up, right? Mm-hmm. And has her first uh, Force interaction with Kylo. Where she attempts to shoot him. Now, we're not talking about Rey and Kylo today, but it is worth pointing out that she starts off her training with Luke by lying to him, right? Yes. She says, oh, my blaster went off. I was cleaning it. And so immediately, obviously, Luke maybe doesn't know this, or he does because he can't sense it. Who knows? But whether he knows it or not, for Rey, you know, starting out with deception is an interesting choice. Um, and I think it says something about her as a character, and I think not, it says something about Luke as a teacher that we'll talk about. But not to mention, Luke's just gonna like, you didn't disengage the power pack when you cleaned your gun. Are you? Luke is too old, nor does he care about proper blaster safety. That's not uh, his problem. You know, he he had a long rifle on a speeder. I bet you he's a farm kid. I bet he knows how to properly clean a blaster. Also, they're full of blast. Do they need cleaned? It's not one of the three lessons, sorry. I guess it's carbon scoring might yeah, need cleaned out of, of the there. Three lessons. I don't think I think like an oven. I think blasters are self-cleaning personally. <laughs> so, Luke also here explains the caretakers. Uh, and then, you know, him and Ray start to get into the Force training. You know, Luke starts by asking Ray what she knows about the Force. Mm-hmm. You know, and her her uh, reaction is basically, well, it's a power the Jedis have and stuff. And lift rocks It's magic and, and stuff. <laughs> oh, it's great. And Luke, of course, has the first of his, you know, amazing. Everything of what you just said is wrong. Yeah. Once again, showing that lightness to the character and, you know, um, showing us that he obviously is willing to be an instructor here. You know, lesson one, sit here, legs crossed. Mm -hmm. The force is not a power you have. It's not about lifting rocks. It's the energy between all things, a tension, a balance that binds the universe together. It's so much bigger than the light side and the dark side is the theme he's presenting because that's the conclusion his philosophy has taken him to, which I love because I think it balances out the fact that, like, I think everybody, especially after seeing the prequels, like, Luke in episode six is not not a good Jedi. He's wearing all black, which is the wrong color. He's choking people out like Gamorrean guards. That's not a Jedi way. Threatening people. He has this disconnect from that traditional big light side, you know, dark side 
dynamic. Yeah. And that's become his philosophy is just the idea of like, because he tried to recreate the Jedi, it went wrong. So it's like, you've got to understand it's balanced and it needs balanced. And that's the reason I had to leave. I was unbalancing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now we get into Ray's training here, right? We see Luke play another classic Luke joke. He's got the leaf. You know, reach out. Oh, you feel that? That's the force. Wow, it's so Oh, strong. yes, I feel it, Master Luke. I feel it. <laughs> Whap. <laughs> <laughs> I love that moment. Um, I love seeing Luke play jokes. You know, Luke being funny is classic Luke. And it shows yes. he's in there. And it's still the person we love. And it's channeling a bit of Yoda. That that irreverence. That yeah. just kind of messing with you for your own good. <laughs> Now, Ray goes through her meditation here, and Luke is instructing her, you know, breathe, reach out, feel it. But as Ray gets pulled to the dark side, Luke tries to get her back. He's yelling at her. He's trying to get her out of this state, out of this trance. And, you know, he gets mad. You know, you went straight for the dark. You didn't even try and stop it. It offered something you needed. You didn't even try and stop yourself. And this is where Ray reveals that Luke has closed himself off to the Force. And so this is our, you know, confirmation right. that Luke, in fact, is currently not practicing the Force in any way. And 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 to me, I don't know, I guess I, I thought I felt it was telegraphed. But, like, that's how I felt when it happened was, like, confirmation of, like, oh, that's why all this stuff is weird. That's why he doesn't sense the Force within her and is asking her these questions that he should just be able to intuit. Uh, that's why he's talking her through the force but not really noticing what she's doing until she goes to the dark side and that's more of her just losing herself like this dude left everything behind like literally left all of it behind he's just a dude <laughs> yeah i mean that's true it, that is really the best way to think of luke here is he is what we thought ben kenobi was before we learned about who ben kenobi is right he is just for all purposes, a hermit. Now, there's really no actual answer on this, but in my own headcanon mind, I'm basically going to say that Luke being able to cut himself off from the Force must require an incredible amount of Force power mm -hmm. and control. Because, you know, as we've learned multiple times, it penetrates all things. The Force is in everything, except the Yuuzhan Vong. But basically, the Force is in every single possible thing, right? And All so for Luke to be able to completely to cut himself off from that requires a mastery that we have not seen. Well, and and I, I think that's important to point out. And I feel like two thoughts about that. I feel that either one, it just requires tremendous attention. Like that's why he's got this routine and all this kind of stuff because he mm -hmm. just is grinding in through this narrow path that keeps him out of the, the universe. And the other thing about it is maybe that's the special trick of Octu. Maybe this was a place for... Um, for meditation and a place that uniquely is, you know, maybe that's the whole point of this temple is this temple is a place to sequester oneself from the force. Yeah. I mean, and that, a, you know, that, that meditative sort of altruistic state that the Jedi are trying to reach, right. A perfect balance within the universe and within the force. That seems like the purpose of this place, a place that's connected to both the light and the dark side. Mm -hmm. You know, we even have that light and dark side mural in the center of the floor here in the meditation room. So there is a lot of call outs to the fact that the force is supposed to be balanced. It's not meant to just be the light side. Right. Right. And now this is where we also get a little bit more of Luke's past of I've seen this raw strength only once before in Ben Solo. It doesn't scare me enough. Then. It didn't scare me enough then, but it does now. 
right? Yeah. And so just letting us know that Luke, uh, you know, that tells us a little bit about his hubris, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But it also just tells us about the state of what Ben was like for him. Ben was someone who he tried to take on and train. And his power overwhelmed him. Now, we don't know exactly how or why yet or anything, but the fact that Ben is so powerful and the fact that it scares Luke is really saying something. And we are back to, again, the denial of the call. He's afraid again. Oh, yeah. He, he hasn't, he's been doing his best to not be afraid since Dagobah. <laughs> and he's yeah. right back to being scared. And obviously, fear uh, forever will dominate your destiny and whatnot, right? Well, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. It's a math equation. It's proven. They literally spell it out for you. It's in the Jedi Credo. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So now we're getting into lesson two. And this is really where the bulk of Luke's character, I think, really gets a chance to shine here, right? So now that the Jedi are extinct... They are romanticized, deified. And this is showing us where Luke's mind is at, right? Over these 30 years, it's not just Luke going out and being a Jedi. It's Luke learning how to be a Jedi by studying the Jedi that have come before him. Right. Finding artifacts and relics of the you know era gone by. Um, talking with people who lived in that era, right? Like your Lor Santecas and... Um, the like, you know. Uh, well, so he's, he's studied. He before he started his academy, it's implied that he went and studied as much of the living history of, you know, the hmm, the Jedi that is possible, right? Um, and uh, he learns what we learn as an audience in the prequels, you know, because in universe, almost all knowledge of the Jedi was destroyed very systematically by Compnor of the Empire. They went and made sure that none of that existed, and the only thing was they tried to kill the... the, They tried to kill Chancellor Palpatine, who became Emperor Palpatine, because they were monster people who only want to destroy everything. They want to use their magics to put curses on you and rule you. They tried to usurp the galactic power, and that's why it's okay we did a holocaust with them. It's fine. That's right. Everybody hates them. That's what everybody says. You know that. And you assume that from what Luke's talking about, and since there's Luke in his academy, that by the time his before his academy falls, the Jedi had been risen up. Even Luke himself has probably deified them. You know, they're all like Ben and Yoda, these wise, great people who've never made mistakes that I'm going to have to work really hard to overcome, you know, my own fallibility to be worthy of that that legacy. Right. And that everyone's like, oh, Luke Skywalker, he's the Jedi who's killed the Emperor. He must be amazing. And then Luke actually read up at the history and got and found out all these guys screwed up a lot. But if you strip away the myth and look at the deeds, the legacy of the Jedi is failure, hypocrisy, hubris. And I love your Ray shouts out. That's not true. Oh, do you know? That's very, like, classic episode. Have you been studying the Jedi texts? Ben is a great man. Oh, it is very much that. Like, it great is so catch. episode That's... four. Yeah. Uh, so I love that. That's just a great little bit of writing and a great callback. You know, just like that. How would you know, Ray? How would you know? Because right. I need you to be that Jedi. That's why I know. <laughs> well, that is part of it, right? Same, same with same with Ben's a great man. You've known him for like a day and a half. Listen, he's the only person I have left in my life. He's got to be great, okay? <laughs> Just like Ray's like, I need you to be a super Jedi because that's kind of what I need to kill Kylo Ren. (laughs) And Luke also obviously talks about the worst thing. Now, what I think is here, what's funny is the things Luke talks about as being failures of the Jedi here. It's not like he's like, oh, yeah, the the failure at the Starlight Beacon. Awful. 
he's talking about things that happened at the end of the Jedi Order, right? He's not talking about the entire history of the Jedi. He's right. talking about essentially one bad era of their history, you know? Their proverbial Dark Ages or whatever you want to call it, right? Which and, also makes sense because that's probably what survived. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure that's a bulk of what he could find, right? But then again, with places like Tython still... Well, anyway, we're not going to get into that. But anyway, so at the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. It was a Jedi Master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. And all of those things that Luke is talking about, right? Not only was it literally the Jedi who trained him who were responsible yes. for it, but... Luke's actions rectified that and redeemed the Jedi. And so it is a little bit odd that those are the things he's drawing on as well, their bad examples. But that just I, comes back to him basically saying, I have lost my own faith in what these people have done and did. And I don't think that they are worth recognizing. I don't think that they are worth deifying. No. So I am making that decision for the entire galaxy. That's what Luke is saying. And I, and I would attach to that though. Like when you're saying he's, um, you know, he's calling them, you know, their hubris and stuff was their downfall and he's no longer holding them. That's because I don't think in Luke's head, he's like, I didn't rectify anything. Yeah. I killed the emperor. Big deal. And then what did I try to do? I tried to follow in their footsteps and raise Jedi that went completely sideways, proving that maybe just Jedi are bad. Maybe the Jedi order is the problem, not the implementation of it. Just it's a bad idea. And Luke tries to remind him that the Jedi don't only just do bad, that they can also do good, right? A Jedi who saved him, a Jedi who saved Darth Vader. Um, now we've talked about this a lot. Uh, you know, I, I love The Last Jedi. We talk about it. How does she know that? I mean, obviously someone told her off camera, right? But oh, like, no, no, no. I, I think that's... It's just like a weird... I, I bet you can go pick up a book that, like, you could probably pick up volume six of the of the Lando Calrissian Chronicles. And it has the passages on Luke. Um, like, I, I think it's implied that that legend went on during the peace times. Like that, that uh, see, I don't think so because up until at least six years before this, no one knew Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker. Sure, but that doesn't change the fact that so, Luke's a Jedi. Yeah, but like people know that like Luke saved Darth. Like, what is that? Like, I, all I'm saying is, I'm just saying on Coruscant today during the morning show, right. they had Luke on to ask him right. some questions while they were drinking some calf. Right. Like the problem is, the mechanisms of it will be boring and bad. That's why I'm referencing that section from Legacy of the Force. Yeah. Because the reality is, how do you know Ray knows it? Because she does. Yeah. So obviously that story must be on a Wikipedia page somewhere on the holonet for her to find. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if anything, if you want to talk about, for me, that's obviously just uh, the truest example of a nitpick. I don't think it's bad or ruins the moment for me or anything. I just think it's an interesting thing to call out here. But more than anything, what's interesting about all of this to me is that it speaks to Luke being a legend, right? Right. And that's where even this conversation is going to go. And Luke even says, and I became a legend, right? For saving Darth Vader, I became oh. a legend. So he's literally speaking to it here, right? For many years, there was balance. And then I saw Ben, my nephew, with that mighty Skywalker blood. And in my hubris, I thought I could train him. I could pass on my strengths. So here we have Luke basically saying, I tried and failed. I thought I could keep the Jedi going. Here was my actual true successor, someone who could keep the force in balance, and I failed. Right. Right. And 
you know, then we get into talking about his failure. So what happens after that temple? Well, we know at some point he goes to talk to Han and Leia, right? Han was Han about it. But <laughs> this is, you know, this is the heartbreak of Luke. This is his actual trauma and tragedy, right? But Leia, she trusted me with her son. I took him and a dozen students and began a training temple. By the time I realized I was no match for the darkness rising in him, it was too late. And so what we learn here is that basically Luke lost his Padawan, lost his people to the dark side, very much like Obi-Wan did. And then, just like Obi-Wan, his people went and destroyed everything that was important to him. And Luke went into exile, just like Obi-Wan and Yoda did because of it. So basically what we're seeing here is history repeating itself. It's like poetry, it rhymes. (laughs) Of course it does. And so, Luke... This is really tough because this is where we start to get into the certain point of view aspect of this story, right? Where we're going to learn about that moment between Ben and Luke from a couple of different angles and perspectives. And so the first time Luke tells the story, Luke doesn't even have his lightsaber out, right? Luke just says, I went to confront him and he turned on me. And that was the end of it, right? Um, He must have thought I was dead. When I came to, the temple was burning. He had vanished with a handful of my students and slaughtered the rest. Leia blames Snoke, but it was me. I failed because I was Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master, a legend, right? Yeah. And so Luke obviously believes everything we're talking about. Luke, I mean, it's it, it really couldn't be more clear. Luke became a legend over his, you know, almost 30-year run as a Jedi Knight. He right. started bringing balance back to the galaxy and to the Force. He started helping people. He did what he wanted to do. And then he failed. And I don't know if we want to presume that everything up until that moment was a success. Like Luke was always successful. Who knows? Maybe we'll learn more about that. Maybe we won't. But the general idea is Luke essentially loses his faith. He loses his faith that what he is doing is the right thing. He believes that the Jedi caused more harm than good. And ultimately, he is choosing essentially suicide over trying to help the galaxy and potentially hurting it more. Well, I think Luke believes that he is an overall negative impact and removing himself because of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing I would put it is it's, it's more of Luke has determined that yes, he puts himself into the firing uh, lane of like, this was my fault, but it's also not completely my fault because the concept of these force wielders is a doomed concept. You're either these flawed, monastic, you know, hubris-filled monster people that, like, Obi-Wan and Yoda came from, which are stupid, and they just set themselves up to hand over the galaxy to a dark side user. Or you end up like the Emperor. You end up just this tour de force of evil. There is no goodness in channeling the Force. There is no noble path in his mind at this point for force wielding he's like you don't want me the second i involve myself the universe will balance it out by creating some evil version of me that will you know make the universe whole right and if i train you then just another another side will rise to meet you this is the nature of the force it wants to stay in balance and the only way for everyone to be safe and it be in balance is if there is a stillness to everything there are no ripples in the pond we are just blank and 
what Ray basically hints at here and what Ray, I mean, she also outright says is right. The galaxy may need a legend. I need someone to show me my place in all of this. But really what Ray is saying us here or telling us here and really the theme of the film is that you need those stories to inspire others. And obviously we'll see the end of this movie, how that doesn't happen. Uh, but we will see basically the purpose of the Jedi is to inspire people. Those legends are a good thing. Luke views the legend as a negative when really for Ray, the legend is a positive. And that we need is it. what we're pulling against here. Just like for Ben, he fell down a dark path because of the legend of his grandfather, right? Legends can be good. Legends can be bad. History repeats itself when we don't study it. All of those classic tropes, right? Right. And that is what we're seeing here. We're seeing an old man who's saying, Legends are bad, right? Don't believe in them. Don't put your faith in these things. And we're saying, I need those things. And that is just a, I don't know, that that's a parable for growing up, right? Believing in something and then realizing that it's not what you expected it to be, yeah. but still coming out on that side as wanting to be a positive person towards that thing. And obviously well, we're seeing Luke here at a time when that's not how he's feeling. I think it's talking about the fact of like, yeah, when you, you know, they always talk about don't meet your heroes kind of thing because they're yeah. flawed, normal human beings. They have failings. They have mortality to them. They are not these magnificent beings. But at the same time, we still need them. Much has happened. Many great things have happened by people being inspired and inspiration. Yeah, maybe it's built on a little bit of the, you know, gauze lens version of a person's persona. Sure. But that is part and parcel of how inspiration works is it's about being aspirational. It's not about being relatable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, something that is a broader theme for film and television right now of, we are <laughs> usually negative on aspirational, inspirational characters. We really want them to be really relatable, but as Batman begins set as a symbol, he could be indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> so, after this talking with Rey and, you know, her her explaining that, you know, a Jedi saved Darth Vader, the galaxy may need a legend. I need a legend. Luke decides reluctantly to reconnect with the Force. And, you know, it's not an effort for him. As soon as he walks out onto that meditative ledge and, you know, senses, uh, reaches out, touches the <laughs> rock, he senses his sister across the galaxy and wakes her from her coma. Because I feel that when Rey plunges in the dark side, like, it's such a drop like floor dropout moment that that's when Luke goes, wow, I'm even turned off and I felt that. And that has cracked the door and all of this force is starting to reconnect with him, whether he wants to or not. He's, he's lost whatever meditative or self-imposed exile, at least from the cosmic force. He is reconnecting with it from basically this moment as we go through the rest of the film. Hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I never thought about it as it's happening because the dark side is rising because Ray is in the dark oh. side pit. I never I oh. thought about it's a conscious choice because of what Luke oh, I, or because of what Chewie and R2 and Ray and all of them have done and said to me over these last couple of days. Oh, uh, well, I, I think it's to me, it's it's a confirmation of his 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 mystical connection when he's like, you went right for the dark side. You didn't even stop yourself. And I, I feel that Flabbergast is, is, well, how does he know that? I assume it's because she fell off the rock in a panting state. But yeah, that's a good point. But I, I'm just saying, like, 
but how does he know that you didn't even stop? You were overwhelmed. You could have been just overwhelmed by the experience of seeing the awe and grandeur yeah. of the force. I think it's because he goes, wow, you fell to the dark side. You know what? I felt this once before when my nephew did it. I was an idiot then. I'm not going to be an idiot now. And then I'm going to guess he probably just starts scanning with the force. And then, uh-oh, he's already back in. And so that's when he's starting to, like like you said, not be able to turn those things off. Mm-hmm. As Like you said, like he he missed Han. He didn't get to see Han. He didn't connect with Han when Han left and became one with the living force, right? So my feeling is this shows the fact that, like, the second he thinks of Leia and that crack is open, the wind blows right through it and he connects. It's an immediate thing. And we yeah. get, you know, we get some of that, that theme music playing there too over top of it. And now that Luke is, you know, he's tuned back in and now he knows exactly what's going on. He rushes down to raise hut to find her and Ben uh, touching hands in the center of the hut. Are you canoodling in there? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, assuming he can now sense this, we get this great practical effect of Luke pulling the hut apart, showing his, you know, his strength in the force. Do we... I'm sorry, my brain's fine. No, it's all good. What? Do we pass the fact that when Ray goes down into the cave... Yes, because that's what her and Ben are talking about, about right. how, remember, I, I expect, I, I knew this was going somewhere. I knew there was an ending. It couldn't go on forever. Um, you know, I, I expected to find something down there for it to tell me, you know, what I needed or whatever. And so she's telling Ben all of this as Luke comes in. Because I'm just scrolling a theory. That whole thing of her dropping to the dark side, I wonder if part of it is because she's getting this connection with Kylo. Like, that's such a f- prominent part of her force experience at this early yeah. stage. And again, I think that's why Luke goes, oh, I'm kind of ta- what, what, what's going on? What's going on? I sense something really dank going on. What's, and that's when he comes to the hut and sees that they're canoodling. And then just again, yes, you're right. It's pretty awesome of like, well, if you weren't sure Luke has kind of got his force mojo back, he's going to rip this building apart like a hurricane. Oh, yeah. There is no doubt in your mind that Luke is now reconnected to the force, right? And his basically uh, only line to Ray here is, leave this island now, right? Leave this island. I was right. Yes. You are a dark side monster person. <laughs> and Ray is, you know, coming after him. Is it true? Did you try and kill Kylo Ren? Did you create him? And they have this great little practice duel here where Luke uses the force to grab like a lightning like rod antenna, off the top yeah. of a building. And they're, you know, they're fighting with her and her staff. And he obviously easily outmatches her and is only knocked back when she, you know, grabs the lightsaber and he thinks she's going to take a swing at him. And it's great because this is Luke's, you know, last attempt of he explains what really happened, right? I saw darkness. I'd sensed it building in him, and I'd seen it in moments during his training. But then I looked inside, and it was beyond what I had ever imagined. Snoke had already turned his heart. He would bring destruction and pain and death and the end of everything I loved because of what he would become. And for the briefest moment of pure instinct, I thought I could stop it. It passed like a fleeting shadow, and I was left with shame and consequence. So basically, what that little passage is telling us about that little monologue from Luke here because obviously we're seeing this you know play out over the images of him reading Ben's mind right right and what I love about this is this is very very clearly and obviously it literally starts out with the words I saw darkness 
This is literally the dark side calling out to Luke, right? This is just like in episode six, where for about 30 seconds, he's hacking and slashing away at Vader, Mm -hmm. fully feeding and feeling on the dark side. And now here we have him 30 years later, essentially experiencing that same thing, that call from the dark side of, yes, react impulsively, be irresponsible, strike your nephew down, save the ones you care about, save your personal attachments, right? And here, obviously, it passes like a fleeting shadow. He even says that. For a brief second, I'm called to the dark side. I decline that call, right? I push away the dark side. I come back to the light. But I was left with shame and with consequence because I even, for a brief moment, entertained the idea of interacting with the dark side, right? Huh. That's interesting. No, no. I think the, the temptation is absolutely there. There is a call to kill him. If you kill him, you can stop this terrible future that's rolling at you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I also, as a person who absolutely loves the interpretation of Anakin's the one who will bring balance to the Force by destroying the Jedi and the Sith, by wiping the board clean, there is actually the chance for balance and that the Jedi were not interpreting the message that way, right? There's another part of me of like, I looked in his heart and I saw he would ruin everything that I loved. Which he does, because your actions are the catalyst for that future occurring. Uh Had you not probed him, this future could have been avoided. But the second you knew about it, and the second you were tempted, and the second you ignited that saber, you committed that future to occurring. Yeah, I mean... It's interesting because depending on how you look at the force and the idea of the cosmic force and all that, those two thoughts are one and the same. Exactly. And I love, and I love that interplay. Yes. It's, it's, it's it's a paradox, right? It's a self-fulfilling thing at that point. But it's the same thing of like, Anakin will bring about as the force by becoming the greatest Sith Lord of all time. Right. Like, but, but that's not what we want. But that is how the prophecy is going to weave itself around. It is a multifaceted of things. It doesn't conform to just your nice, good story arc. Like, it, <laughs> it is a more complex soup of prophecy and possibility. You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more with that. You never really know. I mean, prophecies in Star Wars are still a very unexplored thing. We know very, and, very little. About and I them. love that it's just... I love that. I kind of want it to stay that way. Of, yeah. like, the prophecy could be... like. The imagery of Mortis where Anakin sees that he comes Vader. He doesn't actually remember that, but was it already preordained? Did the did the cosmic force already know he's going to become Vader? I guess so, maybe? I love that it's ambiguous. And this is obviously where we also get, you know, the really hammering home of the from a certain point of view side of things, right? Mm-hmm. Because we see obviously what Luke is seeing. We see what Ben is seeing. And so we get the idea Yeah, we've that... seen this whole passage three different ways. Yeah. Uh, uh, as a... I looked at my son and my nephew and said, this is probably a problem. But as a noble Jedi, he just attacked me and went crazy. And then then it's like, he tried to freaking kill me in my sleep. And so I had to fight him off. It was the only way I could survive. And then then Luke going like, that's real crappy. I, I, I got real mad, but then I didn't. And then he blew up my camp anyway. Well, I mean, what I like, yes. What I like about it here is Luke is literally saying, you know, the words... I saw the last thing I saw were the eyes of a frightened boy whose master had failed him. And, and he dropped in, a building on me. In this moment, Luke is admitting that he understands that certain point of view lesson that he learned, you know, way back when. Luke is saying that I understand that from his point of view, 
he saw things differently. His uncle tried to kill him in his sleep. Exactly. And to me, that obviously is just showing the growth of Luke as a character, of understanding that lesson that Obi-Wan told him all those years ago. And really um, and, and again, coming to terms with it. And committing the same sin as Obi-Wan. That he, just like Obi-Wan could not handle the fact that Anakin was half murdered by him and left on a volcano planet. And so he had to compartmentalize that in his own soul of your father died. Because how else could it be? Luke has done the same thing earlier in, you know, earlier in this passage. He's convinced himself that he was right. Like that. See, Kylo Ren became the monster. You told me he's leading the first order. I should have probably killed him. Like that's that's in the back of my mind. But in this moment where he's forced to kind of reveal it, he's like, it's not what really happened. And I I don't even admit that to myself very well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, you're right. This is Luke admitting that he has, in some ways at least, been lying to himself, right? Right. And then this is the last, you know, denial of the call from Luke. Ray holds out the saber. You know, he turns away. And then she says, well, then Ben is our only hope. And she leaves him there on the island. Luke watches the Falcon fly away before changing back into his nice, pristine ceremonial robes. Now, so at the beginning of the film and at the end of The Force Awakens, we didn't know why was Luke wearing these white robes, right? But then we come to learn, well, these are his fancy, his dress robes, his ceremonial robes. And he's wearing these now because just like he was when Rey showed up, he is about to put an end to the Jedi. He is about to destroy the Jedi Temple. Hmm. And he has his fancy lighter now. He's walking towards the tree. And as he takes his last couple steps towards it, we see... From behind, a glowing little bald head that looks suspiciously like my grandfather. Let me just ask you a question, though. If those are ceremonial robes, yeah, why is he wearing them at the beginning? Because he was about to destroy the Jedi, and then Ray showed up and stopped him. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Presumably. Interesting. The Force acts in mysterious ways. It, it does. sended him someone right when he needed it. So now you got me on a whole darker, I had a whole darker thing of like, he was ready to finally, finally finish this all off. I mean, he's right by a cliff. A few steps and. Yeah, a cliff wouldn't take him down though, I don't think. It was a I don't know, those cliff. are pretty tall cliffs. They were steep. They were steep. But I think the force would save him. It did, by sending Ray. I, I guess it did, yeah. Yeah, there you, you go. can't say God will save you and then not take the vaccine he makes, right? Um. Well, I mean, some people think that. Like I said. Certain point of view. Yeah. Okay. So uh, often they're flawed. Um, so Luke burns down the tree um, and is basically just, yeah, it's over. It's over. This lesson, if anything, I've been taught here. I have learned the wrong lesson and I know that the Jedi need to be ended. And that's, that's, what, I, that's what I've been thinking for six years and I knew I was right. I don't know why it took me this long to burn this down. Hey, oh, Yoda, what are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) You know, what I love about this here is right away, no matter how old Luke gets, he will always be young Skywalker to Yoda Mm -hmm. right away, right? Letting him know. And and you could also say here that Yoda is trying to teach him a lesson, right? That's why he's still referring referring to him in that way. But, you know, Luke basically says, I'm going to burn it down. The tree, the text, all of it. And as Luke hesitates, Yoda takes up the you know his his finger and and destroys the tree, bringing lightning down, mm-hmm. burning it. And Luke is shocked. Right? Luke has no idea what to do. He rushes in, trying to save and, the books, gets shot out of the entrance. And to me, this 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 sets up the fact of like, 
this is not the first time Luke has come to burn this tree. Oh, yes. Completely agree. <laughs> I'm going to do it this time. This is the time I'm going to do it. You watch me. I'm going to do it. 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 Ah, it's raining. I should probably go back to my hut. <laughs> now, when Luke is on the ground there, he's like smoking from being, you know, in the tree. Launched. Yeah. And he looks up and you just see like all the orange and yellow light reflecting off his face. That is Luke in the beginning of A New Hope. 100%. Yeah. That look he is giving Wide-eyed. Looking out, yeah, at the tree burning is so Luke looking out at the sunset. Uh, it's unbelievable. And it's great to see it here. And, you know, just that one brief moment, uh, you know, you have there with Mark Hamill is just amazing to watch. And this is Luke basically saying, oh, so it is time for the Jedi to end. And, of course, you know, time for it is for you to look past a pile of old books. And then this is where Luke goes. Say it. Go I, I, I know it. you. I it's know one of my waiting. favorite lines. I've already said it like three times. But the ancient Jedi texts. Close. Like, sacred. Sacred. Close. Just, but, just how over. It's like, but they're the sacred texts. They're important. I, yeah. Right? Very <laughs> much Empire Strikes Back, Luke. Very yeah. much Dagobah training, Luke. Oh, read them, have you? Page turners, they were not. Ah, <laughs> oh, Skywalker, still looking to the horizon. Never here and now, right? Once again, hey, Luke, you still have things to learn, kid. Yeah. Still not quite a full-fledged Jedi. I was weak, unwise. I can't be what she needs me to be. And so this is where Luke gets his lesson on failure. And so let's talk about this, not only for Luke here as he experiences it as a character, because obviously... We know he's coming back, right? We've just seen episode four with Luke. We've seen episode five, Luke. And now we're going to see Luke learning his lesson, right? We're going to see episode six, wise Jedi Luke, come back to the forefront here. And Yoda basically explains to him that, yes, you failed. You lost Ben Solo. But that doesn't mean you will fail when you try again, right? Remember, do or do not, there is no try. You have been do notting. You need to be doing. Right. Mm -hmm. That is essentially the lesson he's telling him here. Just because you failed doesn't mean things are over. Learn from your failure. You are better now. You are stronger now because of it. Go and do better this time. Well, and he says in Yoda's, I I would argue, his commentary on the training of Ben, Ben Solo is, I told you to pass on what you learned. Failure is an important lesson you didn't pass on. Like, yeah, of course we screwed up. We're people. Of course we screwed up. Like, I know the Jedi were broken, but you weren't there, man. The Clone Wars were rough. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> you know, That's because, again, yeah. Luke has read The Failure of the Jedi, and he's read it as text. Yoda mm-hmm. was there and understood the seeping darkness, the loss of Jedi power, how difficult it was to navigate anything in that time period. Yeah. And he's like, and yeah, we screwed up. I know that. That's why I went to Dagobah. I know what it's like to feel screwed up and want to walk away from the world. I did it too, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and I think obviously this lesson becomes clear for Luke here because Uh, Not only is this one an amazing performance by Mark in this moment, you know, we're seeing so much emotion from him and so much truth. But to have a complete arc for Luke Skywalker in this movie, 
-hmm. How great was that, right? Obviously, in the last film, we saw Han Solo. Han has grown up. He has accepted his family, even if his family, in this case, his son, doesn't want him, right? He is so committed to his family that he's willing to die for it, right? And here we see Luke basically now. Okay, Luke is coming back. He is still, even though he's this all-powerful Jedi Master, even though he's the last of the Jedi, and even though he can do incredible things, he still has things to learn from. He still has lessons to learn, and he has uh, new powers and abilities to unlock, right? New capabilities. Um, but not only that, he still can do good for the world, for the universe, right? His he still is a person who can influence things, exactly. And so, as Luke and, and Yoda sit watching the tree burn down... Luke has become a better Jedi because of it and because of his old master yep. and because of all of his friends and yep. his brief Padawan of Rey all yeah. helped bring him back and make him realize what he's capable of. Yeah. And, and the lesson Yoda's passing on is like the learning never ends. You know, when Yoda was 900 years old, he learned a lot at the fall of the Jedi and his time oh, on Dagobah, yeah. you know. It, it it never ends. And then it ends with, I think we talked about it in some previous episode. I don't know, I don't know how many back, far back it was, but arguably maybe my favorite line in all stars as someone who's a professional teacher and stuff like we are what they grow beyond. That's the burden of all masters. And I love that sentiment, not only because it talks about the fact of like the goal of a teacher is to produce or, or a parent for that matter is to produce someone who has learned from your strengths and your failures and turns out better than you grows beyond you is able to do things you couldn't do. You know, that's the whole goal. And that's the goal with what Luke needs to refocus on Ray and Kylo is the idea of like, it wasn't about controlling them. It wasn't about making them copies of you. It was realizing that of course they have a power that's greater than you. That's the whole point. You're going to cultivate that into something greater than yourself. That's the whole point of training someone, of raising someone, of pushing someone and mentoring them is that you want them to be better than you, to be more powerful than you, to be smarter than you. Um, and it has a lot of personal connection to my own life goals that I really, really, really enjoy. And I like that that is what Luke walks into because when we see him next he's just doting out lessons he is the teacher his whole goal here is to just educate all these people around him about very important truths that luke has learned over his life educate and inspire you know you yeah. could say that that is at its core what a leader does right and that is to a certain extent what we have seen the jedi be built up to be more than anything they were leaders in the Clone Wars, right? They were leaders of a rebellion, uh, and now obviously here the the leaders of a resistance. And so, you know, we we open up on Crate. Um, the distress call of the resistance has been heard, but not answered. And uh, Leia even says, right, uh, you know, the galaxy has lost all its hope. Leia has essentially given up. And then briefly, you know, we see that she senses something. Mm -hmm. And uh, out of the shadows walks a legend, right? Now right. we see that Luke has changed a little bit, 
he's cleaned himself up, right? He pulls off his hood. His he's beard is good. trim. <laughs> he's looking a little tighter. Yeah, his grays have receded. And uh, even <laughs> he uh, endures a joke from Leia about her hair, right? Showing that still same brother-sister love connection, um, the levity to them once again. Yeah. It's great. Looks nice that way, right? And then he apologizes. And, of course, Leia's okay with it, right? Oh, I'm just happy you're here now at the end, right? That's Leia's response. Leia's still believing that this is the end. That's why Luke's here, right? It must be. Well, and and Leia just being on like, stuff happens. I've always been the understanding adult in this group. <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Showing that Luke's exile, for lack of a better term, was self-imposed, right? That he even says, you know, Han was Han about it, but Leia, she trusted me with her son. Just showing how much that emotionally pains him. And then I love this twist of that. Is she, she goes, I know my son is gone. Yeah, I came to face him, Leia, and I can't save him. I know my son is gone. Eh, hold on a minute. No one's ever really gone, right? Again, now, here a great in this truth moment, to pass we on. don't necessarily understand what that means, right? But what we will come to learn is... Someone can save Kylo. It's just not going to be Luke. Right. right. For Luke to be this person who, you know, saved Darth Vader, the most horrific man in the galaxy, the most evil person in all the land. Right. For Luke to basically say that I can't save this person. That's not saying that Luke doesn't have a power or a capability. It, right. Just like how Luke saved Vader because of their family relationship. Well, ben needs that person for him. And it's not a matter of force or strength or power. It's literally a matter of, in this case, motivation and well, connection. Say, it's, it's, it's Jedi doublespeak. I can't save him. So so he can't be saved. Ooh, didn't say that. Didn't <laughs> say that. Because in, in, in much the way uh, we'll see after this movie, since we're not commenting on Ryan Skywalker, basically, uh, you know, Luke inspired his father to find his humanity and become Anakin Skywalker again. Right. Ray is going to inspire Kylo Ren to be Ben Solo again. Absolutely. It's it's the same, it's the same energies. Um, but part of that parcel and part of making that happen is well, grabbing his late laser sword and staring down the hole of the first order. <laughs> So Luke and Leia hold hands. There's the dice moment, of course. Yeah. And then there's the kiss on the forehead, which at this point, if you're not absolutely bawling, you know, I, I don't really know what to make <laughs> then out of it. Did you really like those movies? <laughs> yeah. And then there's the wink at 3PO, which is great. A little bit more classic Luke sprinkled in, you know, showing that the Jedi Master is still his, you know, old self. And we've and talked about that throughout this whole movie. But once again, it's just great to see here. And also an important moment, because this is the other moment that you realize he he is here because there's a I, there's a moment when he had the whole costume change. There's a part of me that's like thinking this is the Kylo Ren um, Ray thing. Yeah. But between Luke and Leia. Yeah. Because it's all Leia is seeing this and she's so calm and she's so OK with the fact of like yeah. she didn't go like, so where did you park the X-Wing? How did you get here without them noticing? There's like a blockade and like like there's none of that. And I said like, well, maybe this is just happening in Leia's mind and the wink at 3PO I droid who has no connection to the force proves that he is here. He is a grounded person. He has arrived here at the base. Absolutely. Which Absolutely. Is very important. Very important for many, many reasons. Now we see Luke walk through the destroyed front of the base and we see Poe 
and everybody else who's still alive in the resistance just sort of stop what they're doing and watch him as he walks through the door, right? Just showing, once again, that kind of legend status and showing us in the moment how a legend is created. Now, luckily, we have the hindsight of seeing the same thing in The Mandalorian, the end of season two, right? How a legend gets created. That's exactly what that moment is, too. And so seeing it here live on such a grand scale with this character we care so much about uh, is obviously very impactful. He just absorbs all the oxygen in the room. Absolutely. Just who's that guy? What's he doing? Yeah. Is that is that Luke Skywalker? Yeah, and as you hear all the muttering going on in the background, he walks out and Kylo and um Hux see him from the command shuttle. And the argument is I want every gun we have aimed at that person. And as the barrage of fire from the walkers rains down on Luke, and we see a cloud of dust rise up around him, in this moment, you're sitting here, you're watching this. This is everything you want from Luke Skywalker, right? This is going out and the this super is, action hero with yeah. the force unleashed and being able to just, you know, with, with a barrier or something, just take like a sustained one minute of Walker fire. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, obviously in the mo- in the moment here, this is very satisfying as we see Luke walk out of the smoke and, you know, brush the dust off of his shoulder once again, showing that classic Luke sense of humor and all that. Um, this is, I think, what so many people waited to see, right? This is right. that Luke that everybody expected you would get. Yeah, at the beginning of the movie, he's going to float up and an orb of light is going to surround him. And all of a sudden, he's cool. going to be 50 years younger and you know, like no, 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 no. It, hold, on, hold on, before we go down your own yeah. own opinion, I, it, this is the Luke Skywalker we want to see. What is a Skywalker? What what if Anakin hadn't been diminished by his robotic, you know, um, parts and being corrupted? You know, what is a Skywalker at full aperture of their Force power? What what uh, you know, Omega level operator does this right. person become? Right. And apparently, someone who doesn't care about blasters. Shoot him all you want. Yeah, Vader blocked one with his hand. I'll block an entire, like, flotilla of shots. And it's incredible. And we don't see how he does it. All we see is that classic, once again, that, you know, what you would refer to as legendary, right? That legendary status of, oh, my God, I was there. And he just walked out of the smoke. It was unbelievable. How could he have done that, right? Like I don't know, but he did. (laughs) Uh, So... This is where essentially I love the I just want to say that that shoulder brush off that is so, so good. Luke threatening Jabba of just like last mistake you'll ever make right yeah like just like the 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 overconfident Jedi and I love it I absolutely love it yeah so Ben comes down to the field and this is where they start to get to have their interaction right did you come back to say you forgive me to save my soul no no <laughs> no and I I just I love that it's saying more with less right it's basically and we'll learn more about luke's motivations here in a second but it's luke just being very straight to the point being very jedi like you know they draw their sabers and i love 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 here how in the moment luke uh as they're about to take their first face off he takes one of his hands off his saber as vader did to him in cloud city you know just showing like listen kid you still got a lot to learn yeah and 
as the fight progresses here, you know, as Ben charges at Luke and Luke essentially just completely dodges out of the way with some incredible manipulation of the force. He's insulting Kylo again by basically like, I'm not even going to fight you yet. I'm just going to show you just swing as hard as you want. You're going to tuck yourself out. Now, see, of course, this is a mix of many things here. Partially, yes, you can look at it as, yeah, he's insulting him. But really what this is or the way that I would interpret it, especially Mm. in the moment, is this is a Jedi being a Jedi. A Jedi only attacks in defense, right? Right. And so if he can defend himself without attacking... Why would he attack? attack? That's what a Jedi does, right? Like, yeah, you're a right, Jedi you're right. is serving his purpose. And that to me, like when we talk about what Luke is doing here, surviving against the blaster fire, you know, standing up against Kylo without actually having to fight him, regardless of the physical reasons why that's happening, that is the true energy and spirit of a Jedi. And that seeing Luke be that person, not just a cool, you know, bad yeah. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Not just a really like, you know, get stuff done, action heavy guy. Right. right? You see him actually living out as the pacifist as the pacifist. Yes. And it's so, so great to see in person here as him and Kylo continue to fight. We learn that Luke is, in fact, not here in front of Kylo, but meditating on the rock back on Octu. He's much like we've seen the power play out earlier with Kylo and Ray. He has projected himself and we have seen it. And they built that through the whole movie. Like, you know, there's the part where Kylo's hand is wet from the rain on Octu. Like, right. He's there. He is physically here on, on crate, but it's through the force. It's a projection. It's not his physical body. You know, he's not, again, he could take all that blaster fire because he's actually not true matter there. Yes. Um, yeah, it's 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 such an ingenious thing, a way to have a character interact, right? Not only do you have a character interact with your main characters from really, really far away, right? Mm-hmm. But you have him impacting the physical environment without actually ever touching it, right? And you have him, obviously, the whole other side of this creating a legend right you have this person inspiring many people around them yeah and all of these things that are happening right you know kylo's talking about oh how i will destroy the resistance how i will kill the last jedi right all of that Mm -hmm. stuff and luke has his second moment of everything you just said is wrong the rebellion is reborn today the war is just beginning and i will not be the last jedi strike me down in anger and i'll always be with you just like your father Right. So all of these things that are happening here at the end for Luke, mm-hmm. as he's essentially trying to teach his you know, nephew one last lesson of if you strike me down in anger. That anger will be there and that anger mm-hmm. is more of the dark side. This is not something you want. I promise you, you've already learned this lesson once from your father. Don't make the same mistake, mistake again. again. But of course, Luke is not the one to save Ben. Luke cannot be the one to help it again. It's great because it's a few more chips in in carving in through Kylo Ren to get back to Ben Solo. Absolutely. Because, again, Kylo Ren is learning for the second time in a really potent way that, oh, you think the dark side makes you this super duper, you know, powerful man? Eh. 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 I think you're still a scared little. I, th- I think you're just a child in a mask. <laughs> and as Kylo realizes his mistake, realizes Luke isn't even there, 
you know, he's furious, obviously. And we cut to Luke. We see him fall down out of his meditative stance, fall off the rock, slowly pull himself up and paying off the foreshadowing of this is a very powerful effect. When Kylo Ren recognized, he said, you can't be doing it would kill you. Yes. That this is really hard to, I, I would argue, split your soul like this. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we don't know the, <laughs> we don't know how the force works. Um, but whether, see, the way I look into this, obviously, Kylo says that earlier in the movie. And absolutely, that's written in there as purposeful foreshadowing. But my interpretation of this is very much like Yoda, very much like Obi-Wan. This was Luke's time to go. Yeah. If this wasn't time his for him time to leave to go, the story. The Force wouldn't have pulled him away. Sure. Like, that's the way but I But the mechanics this. of it, I, I right. think, is this is an incredibly draining Force power yes. that, to be honest, even as powerful as Luke is, he shouldn't be attempting it and sustaining it as long as he has. The effort is... I, I absolutely agree. You know what I think it is? It reminds me of stories of, like, astral projection. The idea of, like, your soul is slipping away from your body, and if you don't watch it, it'll just slip out. Yeah. And I feel that's kind of what it is, is Luke is doing the Obi-Wan thing, except instead, you know, the disappearing, the projecting himself so far into the Force that he loses connection to his material body yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. And, of course, the idea of astral projection, I'm sure, is something that Ryan is familiar with writing this and all that. And, and it's, it's in that one Jedi book that he yeah, reminds yeah, everyone that was there. Yeah. Um, so this is obviously Luke Skywalker's final moments. Now, we've talked about the death of Luke before, but really, I think there's a couple things, obviously, we should point out here. One, the twin sunsets, right? Oh my gosh, yes. The callback to that and basically seeing Luke look up and reflect on his life, presumably, right? It's ending where it began, his journey, you know, these 33-odd years later, give or take. Um, and his time as a Jedi in the Living Force is coming to an end, and now he's moving on and becoming one with the Cosmic Force. Mm -hmm. And even though we don't know it for sure, it's pretty safe for us to assume that Luke has also studied the powers that will allow him to manifest his hmm. persona after the fact, right? We have no idea for sure, but we'd assume it's hopefully a safe that's bet. maybe in the book that Obi Wan left him to help train himself, yeah. and now he understands it. Or, or like I said, I'm just thinking about like, or it could also be like I said, since he is a much more powerful Force user, perhaps his connection to the Living Force, he's more like a Qui Gon. He can just do it because the Force. Thumbs up did. Yeah. They're like, like, oh, yeah, you can be a ghost. You're Luke Skywalker. Sure. <laughs> you get the VIP pass. Uh, so <laughs> obviously Luke becomes one with the force, right? We see him fade away. We see, you know, Octu fade into the distance. And we get the reaction of characters who are force sensitive who sense that passing. Yes. Leia and Ray both feel him slip away. And, you know, Ray basically says peace and purpose right calm and purpose mm -hmm. uh letting us know that you know luke is passing into the cosmic force of his own free will essentially and even kylo gets the moment of it when he finds the dice and he holds the dice as they disappear yeah um just again another reminder of kylo screwing it up always screwing it up not only did your uncle get one over on you today which caused you know you to lose your great victory your dad was here too, and your mom was here too, and they're all knowing that you, they expect better out of you. <laughs> Poor Ben. 
Poor Ben. He's, he's had a rough life. He has had a very rough life. All right. Well, we're so, not going to talk about future Luke well, today or any more Luke from the past. All I want to say but, is I just want to capstone this, just like we said at the beginning of Force Awakens. The next moment of Luke we just see is we see him as a Force ghost. He yeah. did pass on and not lose himself to the nether realm that is the That's Force. Right. And he communicates with Rey twice. He talks to her when she returns to Octu and... And he basically says, well, if you reach up, there's a compartment where I keep the keys for the X-Wing. Um, though, just to let you know, how good are you feeling with those Force powers? Because I kind of put it there like how Yoda did. You got to dredge it with the Force. <laughs> um, thinking about it logically, maybe I shouldn't have sunk it. That was probably a bad idea. But I'm sure it's fine. Just clean out some of the engine compartments. I'm sure it's fine. There I, I know, he had something meaningful to say during that, too. But, I mean, obviously, he had to explain how to get to, back into the X-Wing to get started up. <laughs> uh, and then we also see him at the very end of the whole saga as one of the celebrants who sees Ray bury the past that needs buried and walk off to the new future. Yeah. Um, so Yes, yes. Uh, a very... Um calm and peaceful and purposeful ending for luke and uh like you said not long after this for the skywalkers as a whole Mm -hmm. um luke is obviously a character who has a long legend and there were a uh you know a lot of people who may not have loved this story of luke but frankly uh luke lived a very long life where he did a lot of things where he became a Grand Jedi Master, where he was responsible for training and for the continuation of the next generation of Jedi. Luke helped bring the New Republic to fruition, you know, for 30 years. He brought balance to the Force for many years, and ultimately, at the end of the day, was the most powerful, accomplished Jedi we have ever seen. Yes. And that legacy, that legend, not only does it make sense that it inspires characters in that universe and that it inspires the actions and events of things that will come, right? That it literally creates an in-universe legend. But now, going off of that, we have a character in Rey who will get to grow and, in a lot of ways, right, grow beyond Luke and will become a new type of Jedi that we have never seen before. And Luke's legacy, I mean, at the end of the day, it fits right in with the whole Skywalker legacy. And that is very simple. And that is bringing balance to the Force. And in in this case, in helping destroy the dark side of the Force. Mm -hmm. Basically, Luke is part of an overall sacrifice of the Force to bring balance to it. And his life and his legend was living for that. Just like Anakin's was, just like Ben's was. Their whole purpose, and even Leia, right, was dedicated not to friends or family. Ultimately, their dedication was to the Force and helping do the right thing in the um, cosmic, cosmic sense. sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. The, the the karmatic good. Yeah, and that's a that's a very interesting story. I don't think if you would have asked anyone in 2015, they would have thought that was the story we got for Luke, but... Frankly, it's a story that needed to be told, right? A story of Luke being the old hermit. He can't just be 
you know, the the 60-year-old uh, master at the top of his game because that doesn't leave anywhere for him to go or grow right. into. Um, you know, by giving Luke a story and a character arc, uh, it made me appreciate him a heck of a lot more. And it made me really fall in love with that version of Luke and that character. Yeah. And then, frankly, it makes the payoff that much better when you see Luke being a Jedi master, when you see Luke, uh, you know, dodging uh uh, blast from walkers and you see him taking swings from Kylo and not even having to swing back to defend himself. You know, when you see him floating above that rock, all of those moments are so powerful because of everything else that came in this movie leading up to this, because of Luke denying the call so many oh. times, him being a Jedi master at the end is what makes this movie work and make it so emotional and so powerful. If the first five minutes of this movie had been Luke standing up to Walker Blast or, you know, dodging a lightsaber or being in a giant duel to the death with Snoke, right? If that had been what the movie is, then ultimately what you have is a character who you don't get to see grow or change or yeah. become different or better. And the other side of that, too, is... If that's the movie you tell, how do you end Luke's story? Because Luke's story can't go on forever. And sure, you can make the argument, well, you just don't end it, right? You just tell adventures forever and ever and ever. But ultimately, this trilogy was to basically end the stories of the original trio, right? And what would you have happen? Someone strike Luke down? Would you have someone yeah. outduel him? Would you have someone outforce him, right? And if you do that, that just takes away from Luke's legacy. Well, it's the same I mean, way that's... if you have someone out pilot Han that takes away from his legacy, right? You need to make these deaths meaningful and purposeful both to the universe and to the individual characters. And that's what Luke gets here in a very satisfying way, in my opinion. I Yeah, and, and understand. I'm on the same page with you. I mean, I, I – but like I said, I understand why people had a problem with this because that – like you said, they wanted the great warrior. Not that wars make you one great, right? But like, and and I think I understand that because I think one of the things going into this is we we forgot is he's Obi Wan Kenobi, right? Ben Kenobi in Episode Four is not doing the things he was doing in Episode Three, <laughs> right? Right. But the reason that works is because we saw it backwards, right? We saw a young, vital Obi Wan, and we didn't see him age into an old man. We saw an old man and found out how vital of a young man he was. Yes. And I think when you look at it from that perspective. Luke is a much more powerful, much more action-oriented, and much more um, present person. Oh, for sure. Than Obi Wan could have been because of how disparate the level of power we're talking about here. But at the same time, Luke's journey is the same one as Obi Wan. It is realizing that this is a saga, that this is larger than one lifetime, and that his what he did here today is going to, just like Ben inspired him to destroy the Death Star and save millions upon millions of, of beings, Luke's job here is to inspire this girl and her friends to go and crush this second empire. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, stop the horrible bulldozing of freedoms around the galaxy that Luke is partially responsible for, just in the way that the empire is partially Obi-Wan's fault. You know, yeah, and that mirroring of that, I think, makes it perfect. But I can understand if you, especially in the afterglow of seeing this movie for the first time, 
what? You didn't scholarly sit back and see the poetic, you know, rhythm of how it mirrors episode four, Obi-Wan. You weren't looking for that. You were just having a visceral, raw, emotional reaction to something that you agreed or didn't agree with. And then over time, you eventually tried to build a logical argument around that cage of emotions weird it's almost like that's the discord on the internet is you have an emotional response and then you try to justify it rather than look at what they created and to say i don't like that and i don't i don't continue to engage that or i really like that and i want to engage more of it no 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 we have to we have to make the definitive thing about how my opinion is objective objectively and factually correct and that swings both ways i have done that to rogue one i i have i have made up objective factual reasons why i don't like it but they're real and true you know it, it we like what we like we don't what we like don't what we don't like but the biggest thing about it is that is i think the biggest discourse we have to remember is if you don't like this luke awesome just don't watch this movie again he can end on 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 episode six for you. No one is going to come to your house and force you to read books and force you to buy action figures and force you to accept <laughs> the new truth. I don't like the Yuzin Vong. I never accepted them. I never denied that other people like them. But as far as I'm concerned, they didn't exist. And you know what? That's a perfectly fine way. You know what? You're still welcome in the fandom. You like Boba Fett? Me too. That has nothing to do with what we felt about Last Jedi. <laughs> you know, the galaxy is bigger. And and again, I think there's I think as time goes on, and especially as just about no one said, man, Rise of Skywalker was the ending I was hoping for. Um I think it's it's got into that point where there's a lot less fervor around it because even if you didn't like luke in a in last jedi hey guess what john favreau and dave filoni heard you what if i show you luke in his prime just decimating an entire battalion of dark troopers would that make you feel great yeah yeah it would well here you go buddy <laughs> you know we basically got that darth vader's hallway scene from rogue one but the light side version of it and i'm like that's what that's what they wanted right they wanted to see Luke come in and just be a wrecking ball. And we we did get that. And I think the, the universe is in balance. We keep seeing more about Luke. He's No one's ever truly gone. We can keep re-exploring all these parts of the character that happened in that 30-year gap and other places. We have a gaps. lot of timeline and a lot of character left to explore. Absolutely. And luckily, thanks to capitalism and Disney, it will get explored one day. On a long enough timeline. There is no doubt about it. There will be no mystery left. <laughs> but I think this has been great. Uh, and I, I think we should go. We, we've, we've talked about Luke for we, a lot this month. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. I wouldn't have it any other way. All right. And we're going to wrap this up right after this.
that's it. That's our show. That's our exhaustive conversation about Luke Skywalker. Wow. It only took four weeks to get here. I know. But we finally did it. We didn't really plan on this being a month-long escapade when we started. At least, I don't think I did. Did, did No, no, not at all. But I'm glad we did it. Uh, I definitely feel like I have a better grasp on the character uh, now more than ever. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. I had a lot of fun rewatching all of the movies, you know, because I don't watch them enough, apparently. Uh, but, you know, when you're Always watching for one excuse. specific thing, it, it does change uh, some of it. And I mean, you know, just just going through and, you know, writing down and then rereading the dialogue, you know, looking at it for what the words actually mean, mm. taking, you know, you know, taking each moment and kind of dissecting it. I think we had yeah. a lot of fun. And I think the way we handled each episode kind of changed a little bit as we went, which was part of the fun as well. You know, as we learned more about the character, we kind of changed the way we were talking about it a little bit. And, uh, you know, obviously ending here on not only the most modern version of Luke Skywalker, I mean, you know, know, in the big picture. The most Uh, recent. Yes, yes. Well, (laughs) sort of, right? Uh, if you take uh, if you take a few other things out of it, but the most recent cinematic portrayal of the character, <laughs> where he actually has a story arc. Uh, one day we'll talk about Rise of Skywalker, Luke. Maybe we did a little, but we'll talk about it more one day. He's a ghost. He's a ghost. <laughs> He's a ghost, right? Uh, so anyway, we had a lot of fun. I think. I mean, I, there's nothing more to say about Luke. There's nothing more I possibly have to say other than maybe. Uh, I guess I should say I probably care about Luke more now as a character after you know the conclusion of his uh, of his character arc in the sequel trilogy uh more than I ever did before mm. and I think that is worth I think that is worth something you know I, I think uh for uh whether you love it or you hate it the sequel trilogy did give us more Star Wars and yeah I'm sure that there is at least something in one of those three films that you found yourself enjoying or attached to or attracted to. And hey, uh, if not, there is more Star Wars coming out daily. So that is totally okay. Uh, And speaking of more Star Wars coming out all the time, Mac, we just finished up the first season of The Bad Batch. Indeed. And what a way uh, we kind of lost our outro from uh, last week. So we talked a little bit about what we thought might happen in the the episode. But of course... Now we don't have to think about that because it's happened. Uh, okay, spoiler tag. Yep, definitely spoilers for the last two. Um, so it's very impressive that they they wipe Camino off the map. I thought that was a very bold thing. I guess my brain was still just very attached to the Force Unleashed two, where it was just sort of left to rot, like it's this abandoned city. Mm-hmm. Um, considering you know Camino again doesn't exist on official maps. I mean. You know, that's always sort of been the thing. So I'm assuming, you know, the Republic has war maps and stuff that would have it. But, like, it seems like it'd be pretty easy for just to disappear. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point. I mean, this does a couple things. One, I mean, obviously, at the start of the war, that was true. But by the end of the war, we know at least the Separatists know about Camino as well. So... At least they're high command. Well, that's true. I mean, a lot of droids, droids don't exactly... uh, 
you know, spread rumors around. So that's true. Maybe yeah, no, that information <laughs> does stay tied up. But you seen that B one battle droid? No lips to be loose. That's None. you know what? Fair point. Fair <laughs> point. I was gonna say it's very likely, but what I like about this more, and what I liked about, uh, well, you know, I'm talking about the whole show, but what I liked about this is it just shows the emperor, you know, the empire cleaning up. You know, mm-hmm. the Empire, th- this whole show is about this transition, right? Yeah. And this is just one little microcosm of it. But basically, the Empire is rewriting history. History is written by the victor. What clones? We, You know, we didn't need clones. We you used know, them, but they're good. They're gone now. We've moved on. We use humans now. It's fine. We use recruits. You know, I think that's something I would have maybe liked to see a little bit more. Maybe if Rampart was from there, is like, I- I'm I'm a little interested if this show gets into Compnor. The um, uh, I don't even know what it actually stands for. Something about the preservation of the new order. They're basically the propaganda wing of the empire. They are the ones that yeah. everywhere there's a republic cog, they're replacing it with an imperial cog. Everywhere, anything that you know, they're they're they are the misinformation campaign. Yeah. And there's a part of me that's like that seems like where we're going because like at the end, the thing that still drives me nuts about the whole show is like so. I understand conscripts are cheaper, but again, please remind me of exactly why the clones are obsolete compared to stormtroopers. I understand why stormtroopers have advantages that the clones don't, but I don't see any reason to turn the clone machine off. But obviously, Admiral Rampart does. Uh, obviously, Tarkin is like, well, that sounds fine. <laughs> uh, I got a, I got a giant uh, space station that's the size of a moon i'm working on so you you do whatever you do (laughs) we won't even need clones in 20 years it'll be also very interesting to see where they take crosshairs because i thought they did a good job of sort of dispelling the saturday morning cartoon end of what we thought might have happened absolutely it was definitely not what we predicted and that's always what you want in my opinion out of out of any media but especially star wars is i want to be surprised and i want something unexpected to happen and um you know the reveals about crosshair and then his decisions at the end of the mm-hmm. show trying to keep it as spoiler free as possible even though he said spoilers right uh, it just came I, I, I really 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 liked it i liked where it went um it very much was a season one ending though i mean it yes. was a it was a very emotional ending but the actual repercussions of what happened, while there are repercussions related to our main characters and their trajectory, the changes at the end of the season, you know, the big event, yeah. really is more a state of the galaxy event. I think it's more signaling the Empire is established, right? We've cut off the last of the Republic. This is, you know... This is the beginning of the Empire era now. We've seen the epilogue of the Republic. The Empire is now in full swing. And I think that's kind of what we're meant to understand here with Mm -hmm. this ending of season one. And I I really like that. You know, to me, the show is... uh, is that transition from the Republic to the Empire. So I like it, and I really, really like what we see at the end here uh, mm. with the, the little tease here. Um, absolutely love it. I mean, I thought it was a, a really solid first season, a better first season than Clone Wars or Rebels. Uh, yeah, a- and I see, I know it's weird, right? You. you say that because we have so much affinity for Clone Wars and Rebels, and we love them both. But if you so much, but if you isolate one. their first seasons, especially Clone Wars, uh, this blows it away in every way. I mean, I think season one of the Bad Batch is maybe the most 
visually stunning Star Wars we've seen in a single mm-hmm. season uh, in animation. Like, don't be wrong, there's great well, stuff in all the other shows, but like this entire season had so many beautiful moments that just well, looked like. Yeah, even Rebels, perfect. which I think had really good arcs in its first season. Yeah. They were kind of trapped on Lothal. Yes. And I like the fact that this was already very galaxy hopping, which is what. That's what Star Wars should feel like. I agree completely. Um, I agree completely. So it'd be very curious to see where they're going. Yeah. Um, I'm also very curious what the what their mental timeline of like how many seasons they want out of this. In yeah. the sense that like there's a lot of interesting stuff, but I feel like the Empire growing is going real quick, and I am curious to at what point are we just in the Rebels prequel. You know what I mean? At yeah. what point is this sort of drift past? Um, which is why I guess I still hope that maybe this show eventually has like a time skip just to yeah. kind of give it a little more um, a legs, a little more narrative breath. I wouldn't be surprised if when we come back for season two, we see an older Omega, you know, if, if it has been, you know, maybe a couple of months or whatever. Sure. Uh, or, you know, maybe even longer. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe it. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I don't think it'll necessarily be a huge show, you know, a super long show. I think a couple of seasons, you know, maybe two or three. Um, But this season, I don't know. This season didn't feel like a first act to a three act thing either. No. Like, you know, it's very unique in the way it feels. It's not something we've gotten in Star Wars before. Because Rebels, you know, its first season, I mean, it did have a pretty big ending, you know, with the death yeah. of the Inquisitor and all that. But in general, it did feel like a just a nice end to that season. Like, it felt like a, a fitting conclusion for the first season. Right. Whereas this really, I mean, it felt like a season end, but it, it felt, I don't know, did it feel anticlimactic in a way? I think... I wonder if in different universe, if the season finale was originally cut as one episode only because I think it's very strange. They ended on the destruction Camino and uh, launching the attack. Yeah. And then the rest of the, the show is basically dealing with that, which was good. Had a lot of character moments, but I think like had that episode started with actually seeing the destruction of it and then leading into it. I think, I think having a week to basically go like, Oh no, what does this mean? And then to come back to, kind of the, the them escaping the remnants of Camino like you expected them to was maybe a little too I don't want to say obvious but like cuz cuz they did interesting things but it's kind oh, of like yeah. I I never at any moment thought the bad batch was going to die you know what I mean definitely like, not like, like and I think had maybe it started off or had those been combined and I was just on the roller coaster and didn't have a week to think about it I think uh I, I think it could have ended just maybe a hair stronger, but that's that's nitpicking, I think, a lot. Yeah, I mean, overall, I really had a great time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've watched about half the episodes multiple times. The second half of the season, I've really only watched once. Now that it's over, I'm going to go back and do a full rewatch, just like I did with mm-hmm. Clone Wars. And, you know, really give it a full, thorough shakedown again before season two comes back at some point. And then I want to go back through Rebels again as well before you know, Mando and the Ahsoka show start up. So yeah. it's got some stuff, you know, some rewatching to do. I think the first season of The Bad Batch will be like every other animated show where it really is, you know, it's gotten better, just like Rebels built on the first season of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Bad Batch builds on the first season of Rebels. And I think Bad Batch will have great potential and possibilities. You know, remember when Rebels came back after season two, it was a very different show 
than it originally was. You know, Clone Wars had a big change, you know, season three, season four-ish in there. So, I mean, Bad Batch, what we know it as now, could be totally different next year. So I am very optimistic about the future show and very much looking forward to it. And I think we should talk about it more sometime. (laughs) I think we should. Uh, I think we definitely should talk. Maybe soon. Maybe Maybe sooner than later. Hmm. Something to think about. Hmm. But we have a lot of TV. We have a lot of stuff coming for Star Wars. So it's definitely one of those, like, I'm kind of sad of, like, oh, my weekly, like, after, like, from uh, Loki right to this, of, like, had this, like, continuous run of, like, yeah, I know what I'm doing on Friday nights. I know. Or Wednesday. Or Wednesday nights. Hey, but we're only, like. Wednesday's the new Friday. uh, Wednesday's the new Friday, unless you're animated. But in, like, (laughs) two weeks, we'll have a new episode of uh, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know. You're not I, familiar? Oh no 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 yeah. no! I didn't think I I thought they had I thought that came out after season two was done. I didn't realize they were still dropping them. So they dropped a single like whatever it was hour or ninety minute mm-hmm. uh, season you know part two of gallery for season two, but they're actually dropping a standalone episode for episode the last episode the rescue. The Luke Skywalker oh, episode, yes. Okay. So they're they're basically having a behind the scenes episode for that specific episode of the show only. So what you're telling me is, according to Disney, you can drop spoilers eight months later. That's yes. the statute of limitations. That's the statute of limitations. Yes, exactly. Good to know. Yeah, it really is helpful. Uh, so that comes out at the end of the month. We've got, let's see, in September, I mean, we've got book launches sprinkled all throughout the end of the year. We've got that uh, scary stories, Star Wars animated thing coming out, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We've got, yeah, yeah we've got the, the, the Lego Halloween yeah. special. I'm and uh, yeah, and I get the feeling maybe we'll get, you know, something else Star Warsy on Disney Plus this year that maybe we don't well, know about yet. And then we're rolling into Boba Fett uh, say, in December, we're f- like four months away from that. I mean, that's like soon. About. I know. That's like, like, we could have toys for that next month. Whew. September, October, there could yeah. be toys for that. Yeah. I mean, there probably That's won't because, you know, Hasbro, but it could happen. Still they don't have a crate loop. About them. I'm, still, I'm still waiting for, I think it's October? I think October is when uh, the Nerf um, oh, Mandalorian, yes. uh, was it the Pulse? Pulse Rifle, yeah. Oh, let's get some other name. It's a something Pulse Rifle. That's that's not going to bother me forever. Oh wait, yes it will. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, it's the longest Nerf gun they've ever made, and I did not pre-order one. And I'm I can't wait to see the price gouge and me go. I don't want to pay that much. I want it, but you not don't think you'll be able much. to order one from uh, Hasbro Pulse? You don't think no, they sold out. They, they they did a pre-sale for it. Mm. Um, so they sold through all the stock. I assume they're going to produce because. One of the big things I know about that particular item is it is the longest Nerf gun ever made, and the only reason it's being made is because it's a direct-to-customers thing. Like, mm. basically, it wouldn't fit properly into, like, shipping and stuff for, like, Target and places like that. So, um, it, it's it's a very direct sale, and my guess is they, they hired them all, produced them all, and they're done. Hmm. I'll be interested to see what happens. I hope you get one. Uh, we'll see. I, I like I said, it will greatly depend on the proximity to list price that yeah. I could acquire it for. What was the list price on those? It's like one seventy or something. That sounds right. Let's see, it was between one forty nine, one ninety nine. It was. I know it wasn't over two hundred, and I know for, I know it was, in line for what that costs. Mm-hmm. Even though, again, it's not. I'm, I'm not telling adults to buy Nerf guns. Don't be me. <laughs> Um, but it really is a great value for your money. When you really look at it that way, 
when you look at it as a collectible investment, yeah. <laughs> um, which have you seen this? This is more happening on video game side, but have you seen this? Like these industries now that are are selling shares and collectibles. What? Oh, it's messed up. So what it is is it's groups, and they'll take a collectible like something that's like really expensive, like oh, this is a mint sealed in box copy of Legend of Zelda or mm. something, right? And they'll sell shares of it. And then when it sells at auction, you get a buyback based on the share that you bought. But it's gone to everything. Like, you know, you can get like a Castle Grayskull like uh, share uh, and like all of this real uh, late stage capitalism stuff. Wow. It's absurd. Wow. But, uh, hmm. you know, hey, How if fun. you own that collectible and you can sell shares on it, go make your money. I, I have fun, no yeah. qualms about you making your money off of Crypto Bros. It's yeah. cool. Uh, but it's it's a weird it's a weird new layer to our already absurd adult dominated hobby. We live in a weird world. We're on a weird timeline right now. Man, I I I hope there's stuff for kids to enjoy Star Wars with, like the Bad Batch. And Bad Batch have any toys? Let me get any toys of the Bad Batch yet. Uh, well, yeah, there have been some black series. There's a, I have a hunter upstairs okay. and I have a, uh, the elite squad trooper, you know, the, the first human mm. recruits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've seen crosshair out in the wild. I was just at our local comic con this last weekend and saw crosshair, okay. but I didn't pick him up. Uh, wreckers out there, uh, like, you know, but I don't think it's really in people's hand yet, but is coming. So uh, all, f- all tech the main is out there. They have is... not no echo yet, oddly enough. Uh, Hot Toys has announced some Bad Batch stuff. Um, I think they've announced some vintage collection, but I actually might be wrong on that. Um, there were a bunch of Funko Pops, but apparently I've heard rumors that Target has sent out a bunch of cancellations for those for pre-orders. So hmm. no one really knows maybe what's going on. I'm not super involved in Funkos, so. I'm not a great person to ask about that, but I've been oh, hearing that they've been canceling them, so that's not great. Um, yeah, that's th- there is some bad batch stuff out there. I've seen some t-shirts. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I mean, I I definitely like them, and I, I will say though, one last thing I want to say about the bad batch is D. Bradley Baker. Just clap, <laughs> clap, clap, I man. I mean, he's always been amazing he's very much a one man menagerie in the in the vein of like a frank welker i mean he's done all kinds of voice work forever but the way that he very convincingly is playing up to like 10 characters per episode of this show it's insane between the entire bad batch plus crosshairs plus Gregor, yeah. plus all the troopers that aren't new humans you know how mad was he when they're like Listen, no, no, no. We're, we're gonna hire someone else to play Omega. You, you don't need to do it. I can do it. He, yeah, he's in the corner practicing his like, you know, his higher pitch. <laughs> you see, you're, you, you're saying it. You're saying it wrong. It's Omega. You, Omega. You, you're not a twelve year old girl, buddy. Like, just come on, come on. No, Let I can someone do else do it. No, no I, can I promise you, I can do it. <laughs> I, I got this. Yeah, gotta keep it COVID safe. I'm the only one here. I was just say I've got my own studio. I can make it all happen here. You know, I can do everything. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, we but, like the Bad Batch. Got, We're having fun. The one thing I really want to see is, I'd love to see a gallery Bad Batch. Is the one thing I really want to know is, does he lay down all those tracks separately, or is he just switching between them? Like, does he record the Bad Batch himself? I mean, obviously, there are going to be times where they overlap, and he has to have to have two music yeah. tracks to, to overlap, but... There's a lot of their banter that I could see him just flipping and just 
talking to himself. No idea, but I would love to see some behind the scenes of something like that. Hopefully, we'll see that soon. But uh, yeah, great show, good time for Star Wars, Uh, and uh, I think that's all we have to say for this week. I'm Mac, and I'm Ross, and until next Wednesday, may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.